Welcome to the Imagine Momcast. More answers, more Jesus, more fun. Just a little note for this podcast. We recorded this over Skype and we were having a little bit of trouble with the audio. So um, it does get better as you listen. And I apologize for that. If you just turn the volume up a little bit, I think it works pretty good. We tried to fix as much as we could in post, but that was just as good as we could get it. But I promise you the content is awesome. So enjoy the episode. Um, I'm so excited today to be back with the girls. And we are going to continue. Um, If you didn't catch the first episode, we answered some of the toughest parenting questions. And you can go back in the podcast and catch that. Um, But today we are going to finish our parenting questions. And I am here today with my great, great friends, Laisha and Laura. Excuse me. Laisha moved away from us a few months ago. We're so sad. So this is our opportunity to hang out and and hang out with you guys and hopefully share some wisdom or maybe not wisdom. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you didn't catch the first one, um, Laura has uh, five kids and Leisha has four kids and I have six kids and we've all been parenting for about 20 years. So hopefully we have at least some experience we can share. So, you want to say hi, Laura? Hi. That's Laura. Laisha's going to say hi. Hello. (laughs) And we are going to jump right in. So, the first question is, do you make your kids do chores to earn allowance? Yes, they they have to earn it, or no, it should not be tethered to chores. So, what do you guys think? I can start that because my kids don't get allowance, but they do have to do chores. They have to do just certain, they have to keep their own space clean. Um, Not necessarily regularly, but on demand. So putting away their laundry, putting their dirty clothes in the laundry basket, making their bed, vacuuming on occasion. The older kids have to clean their own bathroom and that, and they don't get paid for it. If they want money, they have to think of chores to do. And like mm, that's interesting. That. And so if they can get a contract, so to speak, not necessarily written, but a verbal agreement on, hey, I'll do this for this much. That's how they can earn money. But they don't they mostly don't ask. So So they don't they don't need money that bad. <laughs> they don't need money. <laughs> Just walk around in life broke and looking for free things to do. <laughs> <laughs> so if they want money, they have to think of a chore to do. Like they have to find something they think you might need. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of yeah, cool. They, yeah, that is. They have to decide and then they have to negotiate the price. How much they'll oh. do the chore for. I'll pay for it. And sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's a no deal. Like... You know, they might say, I'll wash the car for $100. I'll say, (laughs) (laughs) that is funny. (laughs) That's pretty cool. What do you do, Laisha? So, um, um, 
I, I should have gone first so I didn't have to edit out uh, my my bad response based <laughs> on Laura's very great negotiations with their kids. Um, so my kids do have to do regular chores at home that they don't get paid for. So I don't pay them for any mess that they make on their own and then therefore they have to clean up. So I don't pay for their rooms. I don't pay, pay for their bathroom. I don't pay for them to do kitchen. Um, the only chore that I pay them to do are things that are like above and beyond like cleaning. So I kind of see them as my, uh, my maid service. So anything that <laughs> I would have to do and don't want to do, I hire it out to them. <laughs> um, awesome. so vacuuming I have, um, and then I try to uh, like also gear a chore that I know that they'll be successful at, or at least they can learn to be successful at. Um, and then I also don't pay them per the chore if they do a crappy job at it. So uh, mm. we call it mom clean and then we right. call it like whatever their name is clean. So I'm like, <laughs> is that Ava clean or is that mom clean? <laughs> I don't pay for Ava clean. I pay for mom clean. Um, That's but brilliant. then it, but then, um, so I do have to do inspections. So there is a level of micromanagement that I really hate about it. But I learned that they start demanding more and more money for the chores <laughs> if I don't inspect. And so then all of a sudden, I'm like $40 in the hole for them. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure my house has been a mess for a month. Where did this $40 go? So I do have to inspect their work. So I, I do know that it's probably not the most... Uh, I bet there's a smarter way of doing what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and then uh, once they get working age and they get a job, I don't pay them for chores. Then it's kind of like, well, now welcome to adulthood and, and help me out around the house for free. Yeah. Yeah. And just FYI. So again, if you didn't hear the last episode, our oldest kids are like in their early 20s. And then our youngest kids are around 10. So, and then we've got, like, everything in between. Yep. So, they're all um, chore-worthy ages. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what about so you, in our Elaine? house, we, they do get paid, like, an allowance for, so they always have, they don't get paid an allowance for nothing. They get paid for allowance to do their chores, but they, it's a set amount. So, like, way back when... We ask somebody what they did. You guys know these people. Nancy Rasmussen. I ask her, what do you do? She's a, a gal that we all know that's probably, like, ahead of us. Because, like, her kids are, what, like, in their 20s now. Probably in 30s now. And um, they said that what they would do is they would always pay twice the age of the children per month. So, as you got older, you, you'd get a raise, which... Probably you were doing more harder work, you know, as you got older. So that's kind of just what we did. And what each kid did, you know, over the years changed depending on, you know, who was in the house and what we needed and, you know, what was going on at the time. So that's kind of what I do. So they all have like specific tours they have to do. Like right now, um, our 13 year old son, he does the entire kitchen. So sweeping and counters and dishes and dishwasher and takes out the trash and all that stuff. That's his territory. And then I have like a almost 10-year-old. He's nine still, and he does the living room and the foyer and his own room. 
And then also, my 13-year-old does the basement, but that's only like once a month, or I mean once a week. So, so you know, they always have their thing. And then, like you guys, like when they get older to where they're like in high school and they're busy and they're working and stuff, then they don't get allowance anymore. And and I just make them clean like basically their own area. And then once in a while, I make them watch my children or <laughs> <laughs> clean something or, you know, something random that they can help out with. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of reasonable. And then, and then if they want extra, does, they have to earn it. So then is there um, is there room and, like, laundry just – is that a part of it or is that just stuff that they have to do regardless? Um, yeah, laundry is some. they actually all do their own laundry, and that's just something they have to do. It's, uh, I wouldn't consider that really something I pay their, you know, okay. chores for. Because sure. that's more their own thing versus like a family area that they have to keep cleaned. Okay. Okay. But yeah, even my nine-year-old does his own laundry because oh. I hate laundry. Yeah, yeah. That's real. <laughs> I can't even keep up with my own laundry unless that's everybody else's. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I'm looking at a pile of about three weeks of our laundry collectively between me and my husband and I'm yep. like who is gonna come in here and clean up after me <laughs> <laughs> that's probably one of those chores you can pay one of the kids to oh, do I really could okay the next question is how much do you spend on your kids during the holidays under a hundred dollars each or over a hundred dollars each Ugh. oh oh wow like well over a hundred dollars each I think maybe it's just being privileged uh, because I don't get them stuff a whole lot, we don't buy them a whole lot of things other than clothes and shoes throughout the year. So that's their time to get presents. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't, because I don't give <laughs> I feel like they don't get a whole lot from us. And so that's mm-hmm. their, their time for like the holidays and their birthdays. I, we try to keep it around 200, but, and that's flexible too. Um, I don't, I think I always go over budget, but yeah, <laughs> right. Well, I, I was going to say you obviously do really well in Christmas because they don't even like have anything to buy during the year to negotiate extra chores for Laura. So you obviously <laughs> are treating them well. <laughs> <laughs> Laura said to me what, during Christmas time, she said, and we both agreed, like our older kids, you know, like seeing what our younger kids got this year, we're a little bit appalled. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Because well, when we had all those kids, you know, together, it was like you couldn't afford to buy that much stuff. Right. <laughs> well, I was oh, going to say, I too. Know. I remember when the older kids were little, I remember like having to put stuff back on the shelves at Aldi because I didn't have enough cash to buy all the groceries I had in my cart. And so like everything was budgeted to a T and now, and that's just part of being a young family. I think a lot of people uh, probably just start off that way, but as time goes on and you learn and, 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 you know, people get raises, your husband gets raised, you find ways to make more money and you get smarter with your money. I think you just are able to just manage your money a little more differently and buy the younger kids what they want. But then again, it's like, I don't remember my older kids ever asking for stuff that my younger kids ask 
for. Does that make sense? Like they were just, it seemed like they were happy with a yo-yo or a piece of pie where the younger ones are just greedier. <laughs> well, you know, but it's probably because they see the older ones getting stuff, you know, because when the older ones yeah. were younger, they just didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Well, Very and true. do you, do you notice a difference in how much you spend on gender? Because I'm noticing a huge discrepancy between like girls and boys and, and their budgeted Christmases. So like my son will ask for like an $80 video game. Well, you're just getting then two things for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then, so I always feel like I always have to even out the presents. You know, so I go over budget for him because he only asked for two super expensive things. And then my little kids are like, you know, I want a hundred little Chinese one dollar toys. Right. So, <laughs> it so is I, hard. I think I mean, I've tried to do a budget, but and I, you know, of course, we've always had only like so much to spend but like Laura said, I feel like I always end up going over that. Mm-hmm. But what I actually started doing at one point, like real early on, I just got the kids presents. And then one year, <laughs> one year it was like the day after Christmas, but the weather was really nice. And we were outside swinging and some of the neighbor kids were over. And I think one of the neighbor kids asked one of my kids while I was standing there what they got for Christmas. And they couldn't even name one thing. And I got them, like, you know, a bunch of presents. And I was like, okay, this ends right here. Like, you know, if they get all that stuff and they can't even remember one thing that they got, like, that's ridiculous. So I told them that from then on, they get three presents and they're stocking. So that's what we've done, you know, since then. That's smart, though, because then it's not necessarily about the dollar amount. It's really just about the thoughtfulness of those three presents. Yeah, and that does help. Now, I do end up spending sometimes more on the stocking because it kind of depends on what's in there, you know, like, because if it's like a $50 MP3 player, that's still, you know, sometimes the cheaper thing actually ends up being the present because just the size of it, you know. So, like, a new pillow, you know, might have only been 10 bucks, but that ends up being the present and the smaller, more expensive thing goes in the stocking. But yeah, I guess it's it's less about the money and like then and more about just making it, you know, even kind of. Well, we end up taking a like a vacation to um, Florida one year, and it was to visit family. But then we also went out of our way to you know go to Disney World, and um, and I just found that they treasure that present more than they do the crap under the tree. So we're trying to get more creative and more um, like uh, focus on the experience more than the present, because we keep finding that, you know, like, like your kids, Elaine said that, you know, they don't remember anything they got and then it breaks in two days anyways, and then they don't play with it. And so it just ends up being kind of a big, um, I don't know, like a really kind of a poor experience to add to their character, maybe. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't add anything to them as a person, right? It just ends up being an event that they forget about. Yeah. I think doing an experience would be really neat. Yeah, Um, that's really 
me. Yeah. Although I will say that, like, so we never had any family around. So, like, on Christmas, my kids don't get presents from, like, grandparents or aunts or uncles or anything, really. Um, Not much, anyway. I think they get, sometimes they'll get cash from, like, a grandparent, but that's about it. Which is cool. But, um, so, we just ended up, like, giving presents to each other. So, that's actually been kind of a cool thing. So, they all get presents for each other. And, you know, they don't always have a lot of money. So sometimes it's pretty creative, like the other kid's favorite box of cereal or something like that. <laughs> That's so sweet, though. But, yeah, that. and sometimes, actually, they really go all out and get their sibling something nice. We kind of, you know, have pairs of kids because we have, like, two boys, two girls, two boys. So the pair is typically they're the closest to each other. So they tend to, like, get the other one kind of the the nicer thing usually. Um, and that's fine. Like everybody's good with that, but it, it's kind of cool. Cause it's, it's actually a really good opportunity for generosity, you know? So that's been good. Have you noticed that your kids love languages come out around, around gift giving time? I have one that is just not a gift person. So, and one that really is. Um, and so the one who's gift giving is their love language. He is very thoughtful about every gift he gives. He gets really excited about getting gifts. He's the one that has a list a mile long. These are all the <laughs> things that I want. And then the one that give he he'll just say, I just want money. And he doesn't think about anybody else or doesn't really care about getting it. It's just like, well, if I have to put something on my list, I guess it'll be money or in-game currency. You know, but he doesn't care about so it makes it almost challenging because the older they get I notice that one still really gets excited about presents um and then there's one that just wants food he wants to give everybody candy and he wants to get everybody candy like (laughs) his love language so he's like "Ooh, Christmas gummy bears look they're shaped like penguins oh everybody needs these you know so personalities come out for sure well one thing I've noticed is the difference between genders because you know like when the girls shop for people like they look at different stores and you know they really think about it and they try to if they remember they'll try to you know like order something ahead of time and the boys like literally like Younger boys, I'll take them to Walmart and they just pick up everybody's thing right there in like an hour. Like it's thoughtful, you know, like it's thoughtful. Like, okay, I do think they like this, but like they're done, you know, they're just like, okay, I'm done. And then the older boys that like, you know, maybe have a little more money because they're adults now or maybe don't. It depends on the kid. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they, they're like, okay, mom, send me a list and I'll order it all online. <laughs> right. Just tell me what to get them and I'll get it for them. <laughs> that is hilarious. That's, that's the boy way of shopping. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, it's preparing them all for marriage then. <laughs> <laughs> so true. All right, let's see what the next question is. Next question is... What do you tell your kids about Santa when they start asking or never? They'll figure it out. That's oh, super. 
that's a heated question in our family because <laughs> Santa is a political figure. And we have always told our kids, there's no such thing as Santa. Santa is a great story. We've never done Santa. And mm -hmm. I tell you what, you want to get your family to judge you harshly. <laughs> but no. <laughs> that is good. We have gotten so much flack for not ever doing Santa with our kids. Uh, and we, oh, wow. Hey, listen, this is a, a tradition for a lot of people. A lot of kids believe in this, and it's not your job to tell them the truth. It's the parents' job. So you just smile and don't say a word. But just know in your heart that, you know, it's just, it's kind of, it's fiction, it's a fairy tale. And we chose um, just to focus on Jesus at the holiday and not and not Santa and we didn't do Easter Bunny or Tooth Fairy or any any of the that kind of thing. I think it all points to me being a really horrible liar. Um, <laughs> I, just don't I don't try to lie. I don't. I I tried. There was a phase, and I was just so crappy at it. I just realized that I'm not going to lie. This is not my gift in the world. So I've never told them about Santa. I've told them straight up from the get-go. There's no such thing as Santa. Don't spoil it for others. And, of course, there's definitely the wise guy that's, like, telling kids on the bus, oh, guess what? There's no such thing as Santa. You know, and I, I could. I could ruin it for all the others. That's awesome. Yeah, I tried to do the Tooth Fairy, and the Tooth Fairy kept forgetting to put the money under their pillow. So <laughs> at some point, it was kind of like, you know what? Just give me the tooth, and I'll give you some money. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You probably, Elaine, had multiple teeth falling out every single day with all the children that you had in your room. So I don't know how you could keep up with it. <laughs> I couldn't even remember my name back then, much less right. to put the money in. The well, I would write, um, I would write shaming. What was that, Laura? Oh, I was going to say, I understand about the, the tooth thing because I've gotten to the point where, because we never did tooth fairy, they'd come to me with a bloody tooth. And then they'd say, Do you, are you going to save it? I'm like, no, you have, that's nasty. Throw that thing in the trash. <laughs> I will write I because I don't have cash right now. So the next time I go to the bank, I'll get you a buck for your kids. You know what I mean? It's just transactional. Okay, I feel a lot better. I don't think I ever gave them an IOU. <laughs> well, how, how about this for a great bombing story? Um, my kids would oftentimes uh, forget to put their tooth under their pillow but what really happened was mom didn't have cash on her anyways so I would find ways to blame the children for not getting their money and so I would I would write shaming tooth fairy letters to my children and I would say like due to I think one time I wrote Gabe a letter that said um due to high gas prices I cannot afford to come back a second time around so if you forget your tooth one more time I'll I'll be asking you for money. And I just wrote a big long letter and then I signed it like Tooth Fairy 565 or something like that. So I would, every time I didn't have cash, I'd write him a shaming letter. Okay, I'm feeling even better at this point. <laughs> And then 
One time, um, <laughs> the, the one of the kids, it had to have been Ava, got really upset that the tooth fairy didn't come. And and so my husband <laughs> um, replaced my photo on caller ID with like this fairy looking lady. And he's like, okay, go in the other room and call me and then pretend like you're the tooth fairy. So I did. And, and so when the caller ID came on, it was like this tooth fairy looking lady on the screen. And so he had this long drawn out conversation with me about how like, <laughs> oh, we're so sorry. Yes, we'll have the tooth in the right spot this next time. And, you know, yeah, she was really upset you forgot her money. But yes, you'll be there. You'll be there tonight. Yeah, the tooth will be there. Yep. Thanks for calling this tooth fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so, awesome. but, but they never believed in Santa Claus, but that too fairy was real. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so did they never believe in Santa Claus because you didn't tell them about Santa Claus or did they just sniff that out from the get-go? Yeah, I, I think I was like you, Laura, where I was like, I don't even know what to say. I didn't grow up with Santa Claus. And so... I didn't even know what to do with Santa Claus other than like Santa Claus is really practical and he brings you underwear, gum and socks every year. Like this guy is no fun. So, and it's always in their stocking. So I just set the expectations real low. Like this guy's a drag and then they didn't care. And then I didn't have to lie about getting excited about <laughs> that is hilarious. That is so fun. Worst stockings ever. <laughs> they're like every year when they go open up their stockings, they're like, oh, I hope I get new underwear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> You could just see the elves in a sweatshop selling <laughs> underwear. <laughs> That's so funny. They're like, Scooby's mom, the kids always get toys in their stockings. How come I've got a toothbrush of luggage? <laughs> <laughs> Only what you need, children. Only what you need. <laughs> oh, well, uh, our situation sort of evolved when the two first boys were little, I tried to tell them that Santa wasn't real and they didn't believe me. So <laughs> they told me I was crazy and of course he was real. And so at that point, that so just funny. went with it. Sure. <laughs> that so, is hilarious. So Santa was real. So Santa was real for the two girls because of that. And actually, I don't remember when Riley finally figured it out, but I ended up telling Genevieve, I, I want to say she was like 10 or something. Oh, I can no. still picture it. <laughs> She's still mad at me about it. <laughs> we were like standing in Walmart and we were picking stuff out for Christmas. And um, I don't know, something came up about Santa. And I said, I know, but you know, he's not real. And she looked Ooh. at me like, what? And Riley like shot daggers at me like, why in the world did you tell her that, Mom? Oh. And she started crying and Walmart. Oh. Oh. 
So I felt pretty bad, but it was, you know, the cat was out of the bag at that point. Childhood ruins. And then the two younger boys, I don't know. They just never really believed in Santa, probably because the older they had older siblings. I don't know. And so I, at one point I sort of asked them about it, and they're just like, yeah, we know Santa's not real. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're just going to go with that then. <laughs> that told your kids from the get-go. I'm sure that was conversation around the sandbox, you know. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Laura, for ruining for my kids. <laughs> the only kids ruined it for. There's a, a long line of angry parents mad at my kids for ruining Christmas, you know. You're just I saving them to, some time. I have to confess, though, that you know, I kind of didn't like doing Santa because I kind of felt upset that the kids. Well, my thing was always Santa gives you your stocking stuff and then I give you your presents. Because I, to be honest, I wanted credit. I wanted yeah. credit for getting yeah. those presents. You know? Yeah. I didn't want them to think Santa picked that stuff out. I was like, I, I worked hard and long to pick That's that right. stuff out. Mom is the thoughtful one, not Santa. Santa is just some stranger who slides down her chimney and gives you underwear. <laughs> that's not weird and stalks you all year <laughs> that's not weird at all <laughs> okay let's see what the next question is the next one is do you talk to your kids about sex Ooh, that's a that's a real parent question there you're kind of you're kind of breaking. We talked about sex with our kids from like an early age. I would say maybe second or third grade, maybe even younger. But it, I mean, it was pretty basic when they were younger. And we revisit the subject. I don't know as time sees it, it needs to be revisited. Um, I just wanted there to not be. Any question? I it was cats for me. I was that kid in science class with my jaw open, like in the eighth grade, learning like learning about it from my science teacher because my parents didn't really talk about it. And they would, if I would ask questions, they would just get red in the face and you know say, "Go ask your mother, go ask your father," you know. And so it was never talked about. And I didn't want my kids learning a from other kids or be be the one the embarrassed kids in eighth grade science class completely oblivious to how things work i wanted mm -hmm. them to know and so yeah they don't they're not enamored with it by any means or i don't know it's it, they know <laughs> they know how babies are made so yeah that's cool i think with boys you have to start really young as well because um because their uh, their parts are on the outside and mm, like are yeah. a daily activity for them, so <laughs> they have to know like so um, true. Yeah, like it's just another appendage for them, so they have to know its purpose. So I feel sure. like if you're keeping things open with them, that there's less likely there's a there's a smaller likelihood that it will be shameful or something that they need to hide or. 
something that just isn't a given, you know, like it's just nature, it's human nature. So, um, and we tried to have that approach, uh, with our kids too, but with girls, it's a bit different because they're so like romantic and, you know, they love the idea of love and dating and all that stuff. So we're not, we're, um, we're pretty blunt and raw with information, I guess, because we also don't want them to grow up in this weird bubble that like these boys are all going to be romantic and loving. Um, Joe and I are always like, no, nah, they just pretty much want to cop a feel. So like, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> you <So> know, <laughs> yeah. So we're trying to like balance out their whimsical sweetness with reality because I feel like this world is pretty gross that when they first experience it, I don't want it to be a shock to their system. You know, like if they see porn, that stuff isn't loving and sweet and romantic. Um, and and it's not a if they see it, it's when they see it in this given age. So, um, so I just don't want the world to shock them. I think it would be better if I if if information comes to me, and I think it also builds a trust that when they have a conversation. Um, that they don't like, you know, like you, that happened with you, Laura, like, I didn't know this. I want them to come to me first to get that answer. Um, like I, I had my 11 year old, she's almost 12. She had a couple girls in their virtual classroom say, Oh, we're pansexual. And they wanted to talk about their pansexualness. <laughs> And, oh gosh. and she was super uncomfortable with that and, and was like, girls, I don't want to talk about this with you and this, we shouldn't be talking about this. And, um, wow. and anyways, she came right to us and asked, you know, basically just said, I'm really uncomfortable. I know that this is inappropriate and I don't know why or how, but I know it is. And so I guess that was just a testament that we're doing something right because she came to us first and address the issue. And she didn't even actually want to know what it was. It was more so that she couldn't believe people were that inappropriate. Oh, yeah. And and I was just like, this is not going to be the first or the last time that people are inappropriate in front of you. So, like, let's talk about how great your response was. You know, and I yeah. told her I was really mm -hmm. proud of her for trying to shut down the conversation and also, you know, saying you're uncomfortable and then, and then removing herself from the situation. So like, I just, I just don't want my kids to learn from the world. So like you, Laura, it's a constant conversation in our house and it's not something that's shamed. It's just, these are our body parts. This is what happens with them. And I don't go into great detail until they're of age, right? Like they're getting closer to puberty or I start to notice that they like, they're starting to notice boys or girls and then we start to, you know, playfully talk about it, but not make it a thing. Yeah. Like, I don't want there to be a stigma around it. Yeah, I, I have to say, like, honestly, being around you guys has been really helpful for me because um, I feel like you're both really open about it with your kids. And I think that is just really healthy because it's just like kind of matter of fact. You know what I mean? Like, I just love the way when something comes up, you guys are just like, 
yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, this is this. I can't believe they did that. I was so stupid or, you know, something that came up on TV or or you're just, you know, really matter of fact about, you know, the way someone's dressed or what a boy thinks of another girl or whatever it is. I don't know anything. You know, I really I think that I've been I've learned a lot from that and am trying to adopt that more. I have to say, I think our situations evolved a bit. I saw this meme where um, a 25 year old kid homeschooled kid comes back home and the parents are like okay Johnny now we're gonna talk about the birds and the bees (laughs) (laughs) and I just was laughing so hard because it's kind of terrible but in some ways it's true and I think it's just because like one thing about having homeschooled kids that's awesome is like because a lot of my older kids were homeschooled either all the way through or you know up until high school or mid high school I mean, one of the great things is they missed a lot of drama. So that was really right. good. Right. And kind of missed just a lot of the, you know, stupid stuff, which I don't regret at all. But at the same time, like, because they, you know, or at least some of them didn't get exposed to as much, it's more. It's not like we didn't talk about it. It's just more like there wasn't as many you know, opportunities that came up, like situations that came up where we would need to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Because they just weren't, you know, around it as much. And so I do, I will have to say there's been a couple things with my older boys where it was like, uh, I never talked to you about this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, we're going to talk about it now. I mean, the one cool thing is like, I mean, we have a really good relationship with them. So, you know, I, I think that's really awesome. And so we can talk about it, you know, but the other thing was that I had two boys first. So even though, you know, I do talk to them and I have a close relationship with them, like when they were adolescent age, while they were in the house and probably was at that age where I could have like pulled them aside it, I felt a little bit more like that was like dad's job, you know, because they were boys. And he was, um, and he's always been really open. So it's not like they didn't talk about it at all. But he wasn't one to like take them on a weekend and talk about it or something like that, you know. And so at the same time, I'm with them with all these little kids, you know, so I couldn't really talk about it because like everybody's all together. So what I decided to do was give them some books that they could read on their own. So I did that. And then with the girls, you know, as they got older, um, you know, they're girls. So I suppose we have just more intimate conversations because we're all girls. And also they've been in public school and high school. So there's been a lot of opportunities, you know, to deal with different stuff. Um, So I think that that's just it's just been kind of like you guys said, just as it comes along. And then with my younger boys, they're definitely getting exposed to it way earlier just because they have older siblings. They're at school now. They There's way more media than there was when my older two were their age. And it's just it's just around them more. You know what I mean? So I think there's just we just talk about it more. And then being around you guys, like I said, has helped me kind of realize, like, you know, it's good for them. It's good for them to just hear it generally so that it's it's 
it becomes part of the conversation, you know? I think that um, it also helps. So we've had a few situations in our house where there was some sneakiness going around, like, especially like in regards to what they were watching um, or what was happening on their technology. And so it also offered our kids an opportunity to, so they knew it was wrong, which is why they were sneaking it. And then they also knew it was wrong because there was a certain shame attached to it because they were hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. We've had that, that in our house. Yeah. So when that weight starts to really weigh on them, they realize that that is where the wrongness is coming in. And then they're able to approach us or, you know, in, in a couple scenarios, they were caught. So instead of like addressing it as like, a sexual issue because I kind of don't think it is at some a certain point we start talking about like the sneakiness behind it and is is this what God intended for for these things like is this intended to be watched rather than participated in and and tell me why this is you know so it opened up the dialogue to kind of remove that shame which I think is super helpful because I'm just assuming that if they know that it's shameful in the dark, then let, once we bring it into the light, we have to help remove that shame from them. So um, so it kind of helped the conversation along because they were the ones who exposed their own like sin and then allowed us to kind of help us like help them walk through it in order yeah. to um, not return to that because they realize just by their own reactions and by their own behaviors, that's that, that was the wrong part. So in the long run, it really helps with the, those type of behaviors, because I, again, in this world, I don't think it's a matter of if it's usually a matter of when. And so Mm -hmm. my husband and I just had a very clear understanding that we didn't want to behave like our parents. Like we didn't want to shame our children for doing things that were fairly natural and curious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we wanted to draw attention to where the real issues were, which is the sneakiness and the lying and the, and the hiding and the deceiving and that sort of stuff. So we try to draw more attention onto those behaviors rather than like the natural curiosity of, you know, discovering sex and stuff like that. So yeah, one of the messages I, I've been really trying to to share with my kids, you know, now is just, you know, God created sex and sex is a blessing. Like he invented it, you know, right. and I, I want them to know that because it just, it, unfortunately, you just, it's, there's so many bad things you see first, it seems like. Right. So, Yeah. Sorry for the abrupt end of that episode. Turned out we had some family stuff that came up and we just had to cut it off really quickly. So I'm sure that you guys can all appreciate that. That happens sometimes. But the good news is we'll have to record some more. So there'll be an episode three. So that's something to look forward to. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to find us on the web, Facebook and Instagram at Imagine Mom. I hope I see you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.